You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Hello, I'm Brady, Senior Minister at First Christian Albuquerque, and I welcome you to this time of worship. Recently, I was talking with one of our medical professionals about an experience that her coworker had recently. She had gone into a convenience store to buy a coffee, and a man began harassing her, calling her dirty, even pushing and shoving her. And it resulted in him spitting on the woman as she fled from the convenience store. It's a terrible story. It's, there's no excuse for that kind of action, that kind of treatment of anyone to be abused in that way. And certainly not someone who's on the front lines in the medical profession during this very difficult time. It makes me think of how Vietnam veterans faced the brunt of a nation's anger as they returned from war. Those people didn't want to be involved in that war and they took it out on those veterans. It's pretty easy to have a box marked right and a box marked wrong and to just see a clear right and wrong in a situation like this. We're facing 80,000 deaths in the United States today from the COVID virus and over 280,000 deaths worldwide. By comparison, in the Vietnam War, we lost 58,000 U.S. soldiers in 20 years. So in two months, we've lost even more lives. It's very easy to be frustrated and it's hard sometimes to step back. But that's what I want us to do with this story of the woman in the convenience store. To step back and look at it from a different frame for just a moment. Is it right to wear those clothes, the scrubs, the medical attire that's used on the front lines with the virus out in public? To not think about how someone else might perceive it. Especially someone from a vulnerable population who might see that attire of scrubs or the lack of a mask as a threat to them. On another story that I was visiting with someone, they have seen an ER nurse wearing her scrubs and name tags in the grocery store. And I just want us to think for a moment, if we're fighting this contagion to keep it out of our homes, maybe even these same medical professionals changing their clothes in their garages to clean up before they come in, is it right to move about publicly, not thinking carefully about how it's viewed? Now, I'll tell you my guess. I'm guessing that these women are moms, and they are doing their absolute best to juggle all that they have to do with the limited time that they have. But I think it's very important for us to take time to pause and to act with a sense of mindfulness and heart rather than to react with our emotions and our feelings especially in this time when we must deal with fear and partial truths, it's easy to just put everything in a box marked either right or wrong and go from there. And today, what I want to do is honor our women. In fact, not often is it talked about how important women are to Christianity. Women were highly influential in the spread of Christianity. Our most famous and probably our best disciple of all time is Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
Who were the very first preachers, the proclaimers of the good news that Jesus was resurrected? Mary and Mary and Salome. No, that's not a sandwich. Two Marys and Salome shared that good news. Even the Thessalonican church, this little place in Greece, some of the first converts that Paul converted were a few Jews, a few devout Greeks, and some leading women in Acts chapter 17. Well, we've been asking the question, what now? What possibly could happen next? And we've been following Paul, the teacher, as he's been teaching us to cling on to, like last week, the big realities, the fact that God is God, and to lay ourselves down on the reality of God. We also learned about Paul as a teacher that his message and his method were the same. His message about Jesus Christ being the Son of God was also the very method of his being among this group of people. He embodied that as he sought to imitate Jesus among them. Today, today we get to look at how deeply Paul cares for this group of new baby Christians. So let's read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. You remember our labor and our toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day so that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are our witnesses, and God also, how pure and upright and blameless our conduct was towards you as believers. As you know, we dealt with each of you like a father with his own children, urging and encouraging you and pleading that you lead a life worthy of the gospel of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul gives us this image of his love for this group of new believers as being like that of a devoted parent. And the visual is pretty striking. As he looks at these strong parent images, we see this about being a father, a loving and devoted father. But even in verses 7 and 8 that we read last week, of being a devoted mother, of caring for them like a breastfeeding mother. Wow, that is an amazing uh, visual of how God expresses his care for the believers through Paul as this devoted mother. And, I, and I'm thinking about all the, the things that Paul is saying about his working night and day, and I just hear these ringing uh, messages from my own parents. Have you any idea how hard we worked for you? We work our fingers to the bones, up half the night. Now these are sayings that we would say, hear from our parents in joking way as they remind us of their care for us. But it's very evident that Paul is sharing his own life with this group of believers like a nursing mother. A nursing mother shares the nutrients from her own body to the baby. Whatever she has eaten, whether it's been good and healthy or not good, gets passed along to the child. If those foods or substances are addictive or harmful, they go straight to the baby. What the mother ingests, the baby also gets. Now, all of us have, have a mother and a father, even if we don't know them. Now, I know how Babies are conceived, and I know that there are other ways of conceiving babies. 
but we also know that it takes an X and a Y chromosome. I'm also pretty aware that not all of us knew our parents or even had good parents. Or as we think about our memories of our parents, maybe those are not positive, they're painful. Or maybe those memories are gone, they're absent, they're lacking, and we would want them to be there. Even at a baseline level, all of us as parents are sometimes less than stellar. And a day like today, Mother's Day, is not always a happy, clappy holiday. Because some people have lost their mothers and grandmothers. Some parents have lost their own children. And so there's no box of identical Mother's Day cards that we could give that would fit all of us in our experience with our own mothers. But Paul, Paul wants to be a good parent, a devoted parent. He's not given to being the kind of treat teacher that's uh, a trickster, that's given to collecting money or devoted to his own greed or wanting to have crowds or impure motives. No, he's wanting to be like a good mother, a good father. And this female imagery is a rather bold image. In verse 7 of chapter 2, Paul takes this a step further than we often do. He makes a bold claim. He claims to be an apostle. Now that is a bold move. For someone who had uh, persecuted Christians, who had killed Christians, put them in prison, I would imagine that some, when they heard Paul call himself an apostle, and Silas and Timothy, might get the heebie-jeebies. Thinking, really, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ? That's different from the story I remember. Now, with apostles, we're familiar with the twelve. But did you know there were more than twelve? Yes, there was Matthias, the one that was selected after Judas died, and even one that was waiting in the wings. And here we have Paul and Silas and Timothy being called apostles as well. But did you know that there were also more than that. There was even a female apostle. Junius, in Romans chapter 16, verse 7, was designated as one of the apostles, along with her husband. Now, the term apostle means sent one, or messenger, or delegate. And in the Gospels, they make pretty clear designation between the twelve, which would refer to those twelve, and the larger group of apostles. So there were more. There were more than 12. And it's not un, out of line for Paul to say, yes, I am an apostle. But look closer at what he does here. In verse 7, although we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So while they could have been commanding or demanding, they instead chose to be gentle like a mother. Now I think this is amazing that Paul takes this female image and applies it to his own apostleship to designate the kind of labor and love that he has for this group of believers. And while I don't want to glorify the female gender, uh, it is worth paying attention to. In fact, all of us, if we had an, any knowledge of our parents, would typically have a nurturing parent and maybe a more instructive parent. And it wasn't tied to gender at all. 
If you come from a single parent home, sometimes both of those were in the very same person. God's point is, or Paul's point is not about gender, but about finding wholeness in God. And he chooses this very vulnerable example to show a woman who, when feeding a child, is giving her very life to that child. You know, the schedules of feeding a baby, they don't often line up with adult schedules. And they certainly don't line up with working schedules, and they often are in conflict with sleeping schedules. Just ask any parent of a newborn baby. They're not the most restful and sometimes not even the most pleasant folks to be around because they've really been through it. And Paul takes this vulnerable image of a woman and applies it to himself. Even talking about the labor of a woman in verse 9 of this chapter. The labor and the work and the toil. This was one of his favorites. To talk about his work with baby Christians as being like a mother in labor pains delivering a child. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4 verse 19... He says, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Wow, I think Paul is ahead of his time, at least in this section, in the esteem and the affirmation that he's given to women, in their work that's so often overlooked. And gender is certainly a gift, and there's no better or worse gender. There's no positive or negative gender. We're on equal terms, both male and female, seeking to be formed into the image of Christ. We want to be like Christ. So if there's one reason why Paul is using this image, it's because he wants them and us to grow up into the life of Jesus Christ. He wants us to duplicate the life of Christ in our own lives. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that's how Paul defines maturity. Maturity, when we're full grown, looks like Jesus Christ. We grow up into the full stature of Jesus Christ. Well, a verse for us to look closely at today is verse 12 of chapter 2, where he calls them into what this life is to look like, a life that is worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So Paul as a father, Paul as a parent, is urging them into this life, this life worthy of God, walking worthy. In the Jerusalem Bible, it talks about God's call to share in his kingdom and in his glory. This path of walking worthy is something very common to Paul. It shows up in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 15, and chapter 2, verse 14. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Colossians 1, verse 10, and Philippians 1, 27. Living worthy of God is the life we're called into. Now, when we hear the word worthy, we think maybe we have to earn it. It's not about earning it. When we hear the word worthy, sometimes we think, well, maybe we inherit it. Something like a free ride, like something given in terms of grace. Or, my image that's old is of Wayne's world. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. This is not the way worthy is being talked about. 
Worthy is about acting in alignment, acting in equilibrium, in balance, where we're connected to something other than ourselves. Right now, my mountain bike is not shifting well. For the last couple weeks, the gears have been a little rough. And since I only have a couple of miles to travel between here and the church, and since it's my own bike and not one of my kids or someone else in my household, I've just ignored it. I haven't had the time to put those gears into proper alignment. But it's time. It's time for alignment, to get those chain rings lined up with the chain where it will shift true and not slip when I'm trying to go up a hill or not fall off the chain ring, losing the chain entirely. This word worthy is about alignment where the arms of a scale are brought into balance and they register as true. So when we talk about living worthy of God, we're talking about lining up with the reality that God reigns, that God is the one who rules. You see, God has called us into this life, and Paul reminds us of this. We didn't choose to give birth to ourselves. That is something that God does to summon us into the land of the living. But how we walk, walking worthy of the calling, that is up to us. That is a choice that we have. And many have chosen not to align themselves up with the ways of God. And it's unfortunate. As Christians, we're supposed to show people what this looks like. And unfortunately, even we fail at that. Sometimes Christians are known more about rules and regulations. Sometimes we're known by hatred or anger, which is really unfortunate because we have an opportunity to show people what this walk looks like, where God rules and where God reigns. So I want us to ask, how is it that we can walk worthily? And we've already been seeing some cues of what this can look like. Paul has given us an example of what it is to walk worthily. He is one who doesn't own this message. He hasn't claimed a copyright on it. He's not trying to make money off of it. He's very clear that this is God's message and not his own. It comes from God and he shares it. And he points that Jesus is the way to success. And it's not always the most pleasant path. It's a path of suffering. It's a path of persecution that he and this little church know a fair amount about that it comes with persecution. In fact, a little spoiler alert, in chapter 3, verse 3, Paul is going to say that persecution is our destiny. That's also not a phrase that shows up in a church mission statement. It doesn't show up on a website. Persecution is our destiny. Paul gives us an example that this is not his message. It is of God. And he also shows us something else that we can do. That we can seek God's word. That God's work is at at work inside of us to transform us and change us. When we begin to put God's Word into our minds and into our hearts, it changes us. It transforms us. As we read it, as we recite it, as we commit key passages to memory, it begins to change how we live and how we walk. Well, those are pretty obvious. Paul is an example, and putting the Word of God into us. These are examples. But what about us? 
Hopefully it's clear that the form of our lives is supposed to look like Jesus Christ. We are to be formed into Jesus' image. That's what maturity looks like, and that's what our goal is. We are to be human in the way that Jesus was human. We are to seek God in the way that Jesus sought God. We're not to be normal Christians. We're supposed to be above and beyond, showing love, showing a commitment to growing in alignment with God. As we look at the life of Jesus, his life was devoted in prayer and in service and in teaching and in mission. The things that he did to spend time with God and to serve in the name of God and to proclaim the good news of God show that his message, message and his mission were out into the world. Welcoming the reign of God into the world is something that we do as we copy Jesus, welcoming God to reign in our lives, letting the Holy Spirit be a tenant. Well, let's take it one step further. It would be easy to take that story that I shared on the front end about a medical professional and think, well, I'm not a medical professional. I don't have to worry about what I wear or don't wear in public. Whether it's a mask or scrubs, it doesn't affect me. Or it would be easy to say, I'm not a part of the vulnerable population of someone that's sick or someone that's older. But maybe you could be like someone in our own congregation here at first that heard about that woman and how she was treated, went out and got a gift card and gave it to that person that's not connected to our church at all because she wanted the person to know that they were loved and the work that they were doing matters. How is it that we could live our lives in alignment with God, to act in a way that transcends typical categories and shows people what God looks like? Sometimes as children, as adult children, it means that we have to look at our mothers with forgiveness for the hurt that's been caused to us, for how they have acted. Or maybe it's to act with great blessing and thanksgiving, gratitude for the ways that they've treated us. As adults, we can all begin to look at one another, whoever we are, whatever our views are, and begin to understand that, yes, we could do things better, but to understand that maybe that person is doing the best they can at this moment. I want to thank our moms. I want to thank the women that are among us for their selfless way of going about life. I want us to be inspired as children of those mothers, to be not those given to blame and accusation, but of forgiveness and grace, to choose the path of forgiveness and to think of the other. In times like these, it's going to be very important for us to walk worthily, to put ourselves in the shoes of other people, and to not jump quickly to judgments, and to not act harshly, but to act calmly, paying attention to all views at this time more than ever. Let's pray. God, would you please give us the grace to walk worthily, not that there's anything we could do to earn your love and favor, but to walk worthily in alignment with you, following the path that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life that we share together in Jesus' name, and we pray through him today. Amen.